Amen. All right. So we have uh, been in this series called One Love. And I want to welcome anybody that is joining us online, anybody that's watching this through the internet. And, and I just want you to know that God loves you. And we're really glad that you're able to be here and participate with us online. This series, One Love, really comes from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must, everybody say it together, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. How will everyone know that we are disciples of Jesus if we love one another? So that is the theme verse for this series. That the world should know that we are disciples of Jesus because... We love one another. What I think is interesting, and, and I think it's like a duh moment, Pastor Will's telling us to love each other. Oh my goodness, the preacher said we ought to love. Hey, uh, I, I think I could have skipped church this Sunday. Yeah, Christians should love each other, right? But here's the reality of the situation. When we look at and we think about how people perceive the church, and, and what is the first thing that people think of when they think of the church. They think we're judgmental. They think we're, we're anti-everything. And, and so what the, the perception of who we are isn't labeled by love. It's some other perception. And, and so I think it is necessary for us to walk through this series because it's time for one love that the church be known for its love. So the title of this message this week is One is Greater Than Two. Last week we did One is Greater Than 99. And so I don't, if there's again any third grade mathematicians, you will know that the alligator should eat the larger number. That's how you read those things. And here, the alligator is trying to eat the smaller number. So in God's world, in God's economy, we're going to discover that things are a little bit different in God's economy. And so one is greater than two. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you loved us long before we ever loved you. That you gave your love freely. And we didn't earn your love. In fact, we didn't deserve it. But God, you gave that love to us, and, and now you challenge us to love others. So help us to sort through our lives. Help us to sort through the areas of our heart that maybe we could do better. Maybe we could discover you in new areas of our life today. Would you open our hearts and open our minds to receive from you? In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said? Oh, come on now. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love crowd participation. I love it when you talk back to me because I get a little pumped up. And if you don't want to go to sleep in your seats today, you'll help me get pumped up. All right. So yeah, we got one person that's ready to not go to sleep. So, so here, here's what it is. This, my wife and I, when we got married, we did a honeymoon 
in the Mediterranean. We did a Mediterranean cruise. And let me tell you, that was one amazing honeymoon for where we got to go and what we got to do. And that was fantastic. But I'll tell you something. You learn a lot about each other on a honeymoon. You do. It's beautiful. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I knew going into the, that honeymoon was that we are wired differently, my wife and I. My wife is wired differently than I'm wired. How many already are, I heard some people like, yeah, I, I understand what it is to be wired differently than my spouse. Yeah, you, you might have a roommate in what you don't even married with. You just know I'm very different than that person. And, and so on our honeymoon, we discovered some of those differences very acutely. And, and so some people are really wired to please. They, they'll follow the rules and they really would never rock the boat. They just follow the instructions, do everything they're told to do. How many people are that type of person? You want to follow the rules? You want to do please people, make everything happy? There's a few people here that are way, like, they're like, I don't even want to raise my hand because I'm not sure if that would rock the boat too much. <clears throat> now, now there's another group that is like the rule-breaking group, right? So already their hands are up. They haven't even done anything yet. They're wi very willing to rock the boat and very willing to break the rules. Yeah, how many people are in that group? Okay, I know you're not in that group because you put your hands up. <laughs> you shouldn't have put your hands up. Then, then I would have known. So, so, but here's the thing. We're, there's so many different personality traits. So while my wife and I are on, on our honeymoon, we are on this cruise ship. And one of the rules on the cruise ship was that you're not supposed to bring any drinks onto the ship. So we disembark at one of the, one of the places. And I'm like, I, I want something else. The water here tastes horrible. I don't want it. So I got this whole case of drinks and I'm bringing it with me onto the ship. And my wife is like, you can't do that. You can't bring that onto the ship. And, and so now she's getting like super nervous because I'm like, I'm, I'm bringing this onto the ship. I don't care what the rules are. They're going to let me on with this case of drinks. And, and so she was, she was like, you, this is not happening. And so the security guard is there like frisking everyone as they're coming in. And I just looked at them this is happening guy. And, and he just waved me on. And my wife is like, how did you do that? And, and so she's full of like, it's, it's just, I'm creating trouble for my wife. And, and so, and this happened over and over again on this, on this trip, because there's a guy, you know, it's a European cruise. So a lot of these dudes are wearing these speedos and I had to get a picture of this dude in this speedo. It just had to happen. And so, so, so I'm like, I'm getting the camera out. Crystal's like, do not take a picture of him. And I was like, babe, I cannot go without a picture. This has to happen. I have to remember this was part of our honeymoon together. I am getting this speedo. And, and, and so, so I was like, I'm like, go stand over close to him. It'll be like, I'm taking a picture of you. And and so, so I'm, she's like not wanting to do this. She is super embarrassed. And I'm, I, I have the picture. I can email it to you. It's so good. But, but, but so that happened. And then, and then we would go into these, we're 
in the Mediterranean. So the, there's these awesome historical places. And one of them is the island of Patmos. It's the prison where the apostle John received the vision and had, a, had the book of Revelation come to him. And they built a little chapel there in the cave that he was in. And, and they have people that are there that are like guards. And their job is to get you to not take pictures. I'm taking a picture, guy. That's happening. I'm getting this picture. And, and, and so my wife is like, they're going to get you. Or we're in the Sistine Chapel in Rome. I am absolutely taking a picture of God in Adam touching fingers. You know, that's classic. That's happening. I took a picture of Mona Lisa when I was in the Louvre in Paris. This is going down. And, and so, so, like, I'm trying to rent a scooter, and, and I'm just creating conflict everywhere I go, everything that I'm doing. I'm just, there's such a difference in personality type. And, and for you and I, those personality differences make a big difference in the expression of love one to another. It really makes a difference in our personality traits because for my wife, that's not very loving. It's not respectful for how I'm treating other people. And I, I like to say, man, marriage really is a beautiful place for you to grow and learn and love God because a lot of my rough edges are being ironed off by my wife. And, and the reality is, is that some of those things are helping her as well in other areas. But but we are discovering together how to love well. And, and I think that those personality traits, those personality differences are expressed in some of the things that Jesus says in Scripture. And, and so I want us to turn in, the, in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 and following. And we're going to talk about a fellow that came to Jesus, and, and this guy's question was, hey, Jesus, how do, I receive, how do I earn eternal life? What do I have to do to get eternal life? Because he wants to please God. He wants to make God happy. And, and I think his personality type makes a difference because he's saying, how do I follow the rules to get to where I need to get to? And, and so here's the conversation. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, Jesus replied, how do you read it? So the expert in the law answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Good question, right? If, if I have to love God and love my neighbor, and Jesus says, well, that's what it takes to find eternal life, then Let's figure out what the limitations of what my neighbor is. Is the guy that lives next door to me? Is that who my neighbor is? And, and so he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And that's an interesting phrase, because if you go back to the original text and, and how that would be expressed, he would be like, lucky day, good, this is, wow, fortune has smiled upon you because a priest just happens to be coming your way. Woo, you, your expectation now would be a hero has arrived. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, you have to put this into context because now Jesus has set up like here's who the heroes are. A Samaritan in that day and age is the opposite of what a hero ought to be. Just, just to contrast this for you so you can understand what Jesus is doing as he's sharing this story, he would be like Batman and the Joker. And in this story, Batman avoids the person in need and goes around him. And the Joker comes and does the following. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. A denarii was about a day's wages, so that's two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper to look after him. He said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So we have this picture. Last week we talked about loving the one. That Jesus left the 99 to find the one. That we should be focused on loving the one. One is greater than 99. And while we were doing that, we said that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. And that our filter for holiness is to love God and love our neighbor. There is no other filter that would help us to understand what holiness is. Anything that comes outside of love is not holiness. And and so as we talk through this to this week, and we're asking, how do we love the one? How do we change this perception that people have of believers? And the reality is that perception is reality. What, if, if you think, well, it's not fair, well, that's too bad. It may not be fair because it is a gross mischaracterization of believers, in all reality, we are the ones who give the most to charity. We give more money than any other group combined. We, it's absolute, look at this church, what, what you've already done this past week, the offering that was taken up and, and what it's going to be used for and the blessing that it's going to be. Hospitals have been started. People all over the world have been educated. The church has been a force for good throughout the world. And for some reason, somebody is trying to say, well, religion is bad. Religion is no good, and we don't need religion anymore. We don't need 
people that, that come around because religion is the reason for the start of wars and religion is evil and religion. And so there's been a, this thing that's happening in our culture where uh, people are turning what's good and, and basically covering over all of that to say, well, here's all the bad things that came out of this. And my contention is it's not religion that's the problem. It's man. We are the problem. You could take religion out of the equation and you still start wars. Look at, look at Nazi Germany. Look at communist Russia. Look at Cambodia in Pol Pot. Those places, the Nazi regime, the communist regime, prided themselves on the elimination of religion from within the society. And yet, people were slaughtered wholesale. Russia slaughtered 20 million people. The Jews were slaughtered in the millions through Nazi Germany. Cambodia with Pol Pot, millions of people were, were slaughtered by the Khmer Rouge. The idea that religion is the problem is a faulty one. We are the problem. In our heart, we have the ability to not love one another. We have the ability to create war. And we have the ability to express that in some pretty, pretty more horrible ways. And, and so the question is, how do we love the one? How do we love the one? And what I think happens today is really simple. What Jesus said, what the expert of the law said is how we have to begin. Where he began, the expert of the law says, well, what do I have to do to earn my salvation? And the very premise of that question was broken. So the idea is, how do we love the one? First off, be saved people. Be saved. Everybody say, be saved. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God's, not by works, so that no one can boast. The reality is that we are here today and we would like to earn salvation. There's a personality type who would say, what do I need to do to please God? How do I follow the rules enough that I can make God happy? How can I serve enough? How can I achieve salvation? And Jesus' response to the lawyer reveals to the lawyer that he has placed his hope of salvation in the wrong thing. It's not in what you do, but it's in how you love. The first aspect of that love must be that we love God. When you love God, you begin to get into relationship with him. The Bible says that we cannot have a relationship with God except through Jesus. No one can know God except they know the Son. And so in that, when we come to Jesus, the question that this teacher presents is a loaded question because it implies that you could earn salvation. Jesus says, hey, listen, it's not in earning anything, it's in loving. We must love God. When you love God, then you can learn to love others. 
And, and so what happens is, this is known as the law of love. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 that was quoted. And the issue here is not action per se, but it's the heart. We all have to start with the heart. You can't love others unless something in your heart has to shift. Something in your heart has to change. Jesus teaches us a new way to love. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I tell you, if someone comes and they sin against you, forgive them. There's a whole different way to love. It's a whole different way. And it begins in the heart. Everybody say, the heart. And in the, the, what has to happen is that your heart and my heart have got to come to God and get into relationship with him in a way that frees us from earning salvation. It frees us, and that's very liberating because if you are somebody who's trying to earn God's pleasure, if you thought that you could earn by being good enough God's favor in your life, today I want to free you from that because the Bible says very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that is by grace that you've been saved. It's the gift of God. It's not by works, lest anyone should boast. And, and so we accept God's grace and his favor into our life. We believe God and we are saved. We believe and are saved. That is what the Bible says. And, and so what, what happens is we come to God and we accept his grace, his favor, and his mercy in our life. And then what happens is he gives us a new heart. He, he makes you into a new creation and he changes you. And, and what happens, you'll discover in Romans chapter 8, 1 through 11. We're not going to take the time to read it, but you can reference it. To live by the Spirit means that you love and do righteousness. When you become saved, it becomes natural for love to flow out of you. It becomes natural for the fruit of the Spirit to begin to be exhibited in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I got them. And, and so, so the rea what, what we have to do is we have to be saved. That's a very, very simple premise that all of us be saved. And... And as we look at this story, now we say, okay, now that I'm saved, what happens? Well, the second part is, is that saved people serve people. You know, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at, we looked at 8 and 9, now look at verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Everybody say, good works. So what this is saying is that God created you to do good works. You are saved from work to do work. And this is the other personality type, the other personality type like mine that says, hey, whatever, I'm just going to live my life and do whatever I want to do. And I'm just going to go out and I'm, gonna, and I'm not worried about all of that. We are saved from work to do work. And, and so God's, we are God's handiwork. And, and so saved people 
serve people. I love this, that we were created with gifts. Every one of us here were created to serve. And, and so that's why I want you to come to the Discover TRA class. I want to invite you out to be a part of that and, and to get into that class because I want to help you discover what your gifts are. And I want to plug you in so that you can join a transformation team. I want you to be a part of what's happening here be a part, because you were designed to do good works. Now let's look at what happens in the story. How do we love the one? And this is where I think the tension is found in, in the scripture. And we're going to wind it down here. The priest came by, the man that's on the side of the road. We don't know who he is. We don't know anything about him. And the priest went by on the other side. And then the Levite came and the Levite went on the other side. And we don't know why the priest and the Levite go by on the other side. People theorize maybe they'll become unclean and they won't be able to do their priestly duties. Some people theorize that they go by on the other side because they just outright disdain the look of that person. They, they're just kind of revolted by the mess that's on the side of the road. And they just don't care. Their heart isn't touched by it and they're not moved by it. And I think this picture of walking by on the other side is something that we do constantly in our life. And it, it's not, oh, because most of us, if you saw somebody hurting in the gutter, would absolutely go, like, I'm going to help this guy out. How many people, if you saw somebody hurting on the side of the street, you saw an accident, you saw something go on, you would go and you would help in that situation? Absolutely. So what's really happening here is Jesus is trying to get at the heart of the issue. And, and here's what I think happens that is relevant to our life in very real ways. It may not be somebody on the side of the road who is hurting, but it could be somebody in our life that is ugly. You know, the person you just don't like. The person that says things that are offensive. The person that you don't want to be around. And what we do is we tend to push them out. We, we will, look, I'm going to avoid that person. I'm just going to go on the other side. And I'm not talking about putting yourself in a situation where you would be abused. But what I am talking about is in right here in this room, there could be those that are sitting on one side of the room and those that are on the other side of the room. You say, I don't talk to that person. That person annoys me. That person is, and then you hold a grudge, hold a problem with them. And, and we would never say, hey, yeah, that's the person that's laying on the side of the road. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be known for our love not for how we shun one another, not for how we push each other out, not for how we carry bitterness and unforgiveness. We're to be known for our love. And, and so I am absolutely convinced that within our regular relationships, we have people that we ostracize. We don't want to talk to them. I will, I will, do, I will go out of my way to be out of their way. And... That's what it is to pass by on the other side. How many know what I'm talking about? 
How many know, okay, I know what it is to kind of, you know what, I'm, I've got that one person that I just, I don't want to be anywhere near them. I'm going to go by on the other side. And this can happen in your closest relationships. You know, there's some things that you stop talking about in relationships. There's some things that you just tend to avoid. And you'd rather shove it under the carpet and never deal with it because it's going to be ugly and it's going to be a big mess. And here's what God wants for us. I want you to be known for your love. When the world opens the curtains to look into your life, do they see love? Do they see a different nation? Do they see an unusual people who are dedicated to Jesus? Do they see us because we are dedicated to loving God and loving our neighbor? I think the world ought to be able to peel the curtain back and look in and see unusual love. The kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it is not easy to love those who don't deserve our love. But Jesus demonstrated his love to us in that we did not deserve his love. We did not earn Jesus's love. And when Jesus extended that love to us, he said, go and do likewise. The problem for us isn't the random person on the side of the street. The problem for us isn't the person that we don't know. Because all of us would be willing to go out of our way to help that person. The problem for us is when we have been wronged, when we have been stepped on, when, when somebody has said something to us and it has stuck in our heart. And who would be willing to say, I need to learn to love again. I need to learn to love in a new way. I need to take this imagery and apply it into my life. Because I think that is where the rubber meets the road. It's not in the ideal situation where you can be a hero. It's in these little interactions every day that give us the opportunity to love and love well. So who do we pass by on the other side? How can we love better? Who do we need to serve? And the best question of all is, what is the condition of my heart? You know, I, I, I believe that there are some really good opportunities for us to love well. I, I believe that if we get rid of religion, this idea that we have to do it, and come to the, this conclusion that we get to do it, how beautiful it is to embrace love. How much better our relationships will be if we can embrace 
love one to another. How, how much more excellent is it when we get to love each other in your relationship with those who are close to you? How much better is it when you lay down the war that you have taken up? You know, the little comments that you shoot back and forth. Somebody has to surrender. Somebody has to forgive. Somebody has to lay it down. And if you are waiting around to say, well, they wronged me. They have to forgive before I forgive. Then we aren't following the example of Jesus. We aren't following in his footsteps. And we, like the priest that walks on the other side, fulfill the anti-hero role. So when we love God, we no longer have to, we get to. And here's some practical ways that we can express that. Say no to certain purchases so that you can be a blessing when the time comes. Say, look, I'm not going to buy all of these things so I can give some of my things away. I'm going to, instead of buying the thing that I want, I'm going to take my wife out on a date. I'm going to, I'm going to say no so I can say yes. You need to say no during certain seasons of your life. We talked about it earlier. There's so much busyness going on. And during the midst of that, we need time to spend with the Lord. We need time to get filled up with Jesus so that we can be like Jesus. If you're trying to love and your, your, your God love is empty, it's not going to work very good. So you need to take some time to say no to some of these other things so that you can say yes to loving well. You need to say no to those who would say, you need to do this for me and this for me and this for me and this for me as though they take from you your love. It should be a free gift. No one can steal your love. You just outright, some people will try to manipulate you to get what they want and desire. Tell them no, so that you can love them well. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Always obey the Holy Spirit. Follow his voice, follow his leading. And then come together and serve together at Two Rivers. Make a difference with your life. Love somebody, get into a tea group and, and do life together. Love one another, be a part of that. And next week we will have opportunities to begin to getting into tea groups. And, and so discover what you're passionate about, what you enjoy doing, what you're good at, what are your spiritual gifts, and what is your personality type, and let those things be expressed freely to everyone around you. I dream about a church that isn't conflicted on the inside. I dream about a church where people forgive each other. I dream about a place where I can go to and be fully known and where I can share what my problems are and what the depths of my issues are and have people come around me and pray for me and, and put their arm around my shoulder and say, come on, let's do this together. 
I pray that we could be that church. I pray today that you will go from this place and you will love well. I pray that you will discover the joy of getting into the dirty mess that is life. And don't avoid it, don't run from it, but you would find in that place a savior who covers all of our sin, who covers all of our mess, and you would discover what it is to cover the sin of another. Not to hide it, but to heal it. That is what we are called to do. And that's what I dream that you and I can be in our natural relationships. Let's be that together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I pray that the light of your truth would illuminate the areas of our heart that need to be touched by you. That we could love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and then love our neighbors as ourselves. Expose in our life those things that we carry, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the people that we avoid. Help us to make right those relationships. Help us to make right those things that we have avoided. In that, Lord Jesus, some of us need a miracle. Some of us need you to come and, and just do a healing work in our heart right now. Some of us need you to show up in other people's lives. And we just right now, we know we don't have everything it takes to do all of this, but we know that if you would fill us, we could make a difference. We love you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>